Jennifer vanished sometime in the overnight hours. Right now, there is no trace. Investigators say evidence leads them to believe that she's dead. Stick my nose back on the trail. That's all I can do. This is already gone. Already gone. Already gone. Tabitha Bryant was a young woman who wanted to get things right. She wanted a loving husband, healthy, happy children, and a safe, welcoming home. She made choices in her life that she thought would lead her to the things that she wanted, the goals she had in mind for her future. Tabitha had no idea that the man who gave her everything she hoped for would also take it all away. To understand how Tabitha's life, which looked so perfect from the outside, went horribly wrong, we have to go back to her childhood. So come with me to Iowa in the 1970s when Tabitha's tragic story began. Tabitha Marie Bassett was born on October 8, 1976, in Mount Air, Iowa. Her parents' marriage didn't last, and both her father, Carol, and mother, Virginia, remarried. Virginia married a man named Cleo Weinbrenner, and the couple went on to have two children, boys, Cyril and Chris. Tragically, Chris died in a car crash in 2001. Tabitha had other siblings, five stepsisters making her family of origin a large one. That was okay. She wanted her own family, wanted children of her own. Not as many as her own parents and step-parents assembled, but still, Tabitha hoped to have kids one day. In 1994, Tabitha completed high school, graduating from Greenwood Central High and not long after she got married. Her first husband, her high school sweetheart, was a man named Arnold Martin. He took Tabitha from Iowa to New York State, and the couple settled in Rochester. While settling into her new community, they joined a local church, and while at church, she became reacquainted with Kevin Bryant. Kevin took a liking to the young woman and soon offered her a job at his law firm. Tabitha was impressed with Kevin. He was older, 18 years older, and I'm sure he seemed confident and sophisticated. It also helped that Tabitha's parents were friends with Kevin's parents. The Bassetts and Bryant families first met in the 1950s at a camping retreat for members of their congregation. Kevin and Tabby, as her family called her, first met when she was just a toddler and he was a young adult. Her family liked that the Bryants were nearby should Tabby need anything. As time went on, Tabitha's relationship with her husband soured. In 1997, she split from Arnold Martin, and it was Kevin Bryant who stepped up to help with the divorce proceedings. Kevin seemed like an unusual choice for the very traditional Tabitha. Not only was he significantly older than her, but Kevin also had a cardiac condition and was known to party. He was reputed to enjoy cocaine and strip clubs, a far cry from the churchgoer and pastor's son, who offered her a job and later a shoulder as her marriage crumbled. On December 26, 1997, 40-year-old Kevin married 21-year-old Tabitha. They settled into his home at 2 Pentecost Circle in Penfield, New York. The house, a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath colonial, soon welcomed their two boys. Tabitha had the husband, the safe and happy home, and the children she'd always wanted. From the outside, everything looked rosy. 
A closer examination would show the cracks and scuff marks, many of these brought on by Kevin's unusual and voracious appetites. In 2002, Kevin, in his work as an attorney, met a 20-year-old woman named Cassidy Green. Cassidy was an entrepreneur and wanted to start her own business doing sex work, but she wanted things to be on the up and up. Cassidy had a business plan. She would offer intimate massage, personal dances, and lingerie modeling for the discriminating consumer. She asked Kevin to help her establish the business legally, and Kevin was intrigued. Cassidy also dealt cocaine, and Kevin enjoyed using cocaine, so the two stayed in touch. It was about the same time that Kevin was taking his pretty young wife to strip clubs with him. He wanted to watch as Tabitha performed lap dances and other activities for willing men. Tabitha did not care for these outings, but she wanted her husband to be happy and thought that if she went along with Kevin's requests, then he'd be satisfied and it would help their marriage. While out at one of the strip clubs, Kevin had her approach a man named Keith Cromwell. Tabitha was attracted to Keith and spoke to her husband about a threesome that included Cromwell. Kevin was angered by her suggestion and scolded her for proposing such a thing. Rather than pushing her away from Cromwell, her husband's reaction had the opposite effect. According to Oxygen, in January 2003, this pushed Kevin's already distant wife further away and into the arms of Cromwell. According to Cromwell, their relationship progressed steadily. Cromwell really made Tabby happy, at least according to her friends and family. Now, Tabby is a busy woman. She's working at Kevin's law office and had a job at the local bank branch. Then there were her two little boys at home, aged three and five, plus the affair she'd started with Keith Cromwell. Out of the blue, Tabby was approached by her half-brother, 22-year-old Cyril Weinbrenner. He needed a place to stay, and she, with Kevin's permission, invited him into their home. Kevin even offered his brother-in-law a job at the law firm. Now, Tabitha has her hands full with two kids, two jobs, and the arrival of her half-brother to the family home. Kevin was equally busy. He was seeing women on the side, visiting strip clubs, and running his law practice. In December of 2002, Cassidy Green stopped by the law offices of Kevin Bryant and met Cyril Weinbrenner. The two hit it off and were soon a couple. Before long, Cassidy Green moved in with Cyril, both of them living in the family home on Pentecost Circle. Tabitha was not thrilled with the new arrangement. While the house was not a small one, it was crowded with four adults and two children. When she learned of Cassidy's side business selling drugs and that her kid brother was now using, she became upset with the situation and went to Kevin. Kevin told her to relax. When Cassidy stole from Tabitha, she didn't wait for her husband, but decided on her own to kick the pair out of the house. By the summer of 2003, Cyril and Cassidy are living in a rented mobile home with a roommate, a guy named Vince Hoskins. While all of this is going on, Tabitha has continued her relationship with Keith Cromwell. What Tabitha didn't know is that even though her husband Kevin had his own women on the side, it was not okay for Tabitha to have a boyfriend. He hired a private investigator to track her movements, and Kevin was enraged when, on July 1, 2003, the PI showed him evidence of her infidelity. 
45-year-old Kevin was not happy to learn that his 26-year-old wife had a lover. Kevin kicked her out of the marital bed, and Tabby started sleeping on a pull-out couch in the family room. He also threatened her, saying he was a lawyer, and in a divorce, he would get custody of their two children. She would be left with nothing. Fearful of losing her boys, she ended the affair with Cromwell. In the days between July 1st, when he received confirmation of her relationship with Keith Cromwell, and Tabitha's violent death on July 13th, Kevin talked to people about what he should do and how he would get rid of his wife. For some reason, Kevin turned to Cassidy Green for help. He asked his client if $5,000 would be enough money to hire someone, maybe Cyril Weinbrenner, to kill his wife. Now, this is particularly disturbing. Kevin is asking Cassidy if Cyril, Tabitha's half-brother, would accept $5,000 as payment to murder Tabitha. Cassidy thought the price might be right and told Kevin that she would talk to Cyril about it. When Cassidy approached Cyril, he was intrigued by the offer. I'm sure that $5,000 felt like a lot of money to him, and he said he would look into the best way to murder his sister. Cassidy relayed all of this to Kevin. Kevin, Cyril, and Cyril's roommate, Vince, all went to Kevin's office for a meeting to talk about the murder. Kevin told Cyril that he would not lose his sons to Tabitha in a divorce. This is what had to be done. And listeners, we'll be right back. When we left off, Kevin Bryant was offering $5,000 to his brother-in-law, Cyril Weinbrenner, to kill his wife, Cyril's half-sister, Tabitha Bryant. Kevin, Cyril, and Cyril's housemate, Vince Hoskins, met at Kevin's law office, where Tabitha worked as well, to plan out the murder. During this meeting, Kevin offered Cyril an envelope with photos and notes, possible places and times that Tabitha was vulnerable to an attack. One of those places was the daycare center where Kevin and Tabitha's two boys went each day. Vince later said that Kevin showed him the photos, and one of the pictures was of Tabitha with Keith Cromwell, her former lover. She'd broken things off with Keith when Kevin confronted her about the relationship. According to Vince, it was during this meeting, Kevin told them that he would not lose his boys in a divorce. On the evening of July 4th, Kevin and Tabitha hosted a party at their home. Cyril and Cassidy attended. Cassidy later said that Kevin was, quote, very angry at Tabitha that night. When Tabitha took the boys upstairs to put them to bed, Cassidy went with her, and when Cassidy came downstairs, she heard Kevin telling Cyril, it's got to be done. It's got to be done now. On July 5th, Kevin hosted a cookout at a nearby park. Cassidy attended along with her parents. Kevin and Tabitha started to argue, so Cassidy and Kevin left in Cassidy's vehicle. She drove him back to the mobile home she shared with Cyril and their housemate. Cyril came outside, and he and Kevin spoke privately for several minutes. With the holiday weekend over, Kevin returned to work at his law firm. On Wednesday, July 8, 2003, Kevin met with a client, a woman named Jennifer Birch. When the meeting wrapped up and Birch was leaving with her friend, Timothy Hill, Kevin struck up a conversation with Hill. He asked if Hill did any, quote, demolition work. Hill responded by asking what Kevin needed. Kevin said he was looking for someone to, quote, terminate his wife or find him a gun. 
Kevin offered that he would pay $500 up front and another $5,000 once the deed was done. Then Kevin opened up his wallet and showed Hill a photo of Tabitha with their two boys. When Hill asked why he wanted his wife dead, Kevin told Hill that Tabitha had crossed him and he couldn't deal with it. Hill asked Kevin to get out of the car. Before Kevin did that, he returned to his wallet and handed him $500 cash. Hill would later testify that yes, he took the money, and no, he did not intend to procure a weapon for Kevin, nor did he plan on killing Tabitha Bryant. July 13, 2003. Cassidy Green called the Bryant home and spoke to Kevin. She asked if they would be home that night. Then she had more questions. Where would the children be? Where would Tabitha be? Would Kevin be home all night? Kevin answered her questions, telling her when the boys went to bed and that Tabitha was sleeping each night on the couch in the family room. Cassidy assured Kevin that they would get everything done. Kevin responded by telling Cassidy that the money, $5,000, could be found in the garage under a filing box in an envelope. That evening, Cyril wiped down the bullets that he loaded into Cassidy's twenty-two bolt-action rifle. And yes, Cassidy owned a rifle, and it was her personal gun that had her initials carved into the stock. With the gun, the two got into Cassidy's car, a late-model Chevrolet Monte Carlo with a loud engine. The engine noise was made worse by a lack of tailpipes and lack of catalytic converter. This was not exactly a subtle ride for a pair of killers. They drove to the house on Pentecost Circle and found it locked. When they entered the garage, they looked under the file box, like Kevin said, but there were no envelopes and no money. Since neither would-be killer had a cell phone, they drove off, headed to the corner store and its payphone. They called Kevin, who told them to come back, and the house would be open, money in place. He said that Cyril should talk to Kevin once it was done. Now, according to a July 12, 2005 story in the Democrat and Chronicle newspaper, when they returned to the house, Cassidy tried to talk Cyril out of killing Tabitha. She tried to talk him out of murdering his sister. Cassidy claims that Cyril took the keys to the car so she couldn't leave without him and threatened her that she'd be next before saying that he would be right back. Cyril walked up to the front door while Cassidy waited in the car. She watched as he walked right in the front door. From the car, she heard a pop sound like a champagne cork. Moments passed and Cyril came back to the car. He was covered in blood. She drove away as he slipped off his jacket and put it in a trash bag. He laid the gun in the back seat. They went to a gas station where Cyril changed clothes. He threw the bloody clothes in the trash bag with his jacket. They drove to another filling station and Cyril went in to get beer and cigarettes. They drove off a third time, finding a payphone so Cyril could call Kevin. Then the pair headed home while Cyril counted the money. Once he confirmed the 5K was there, he told Cassidy that he'd shot Tabitha, but she was still breathing, so he went to the kitchen for a knife, a knife he used to finish off his half-sister. He'd brought the knife with him to the car, wiped it carefully, and flung it out the window as they drove around looking for a payphone. They pulled up at the trailer, finally home after their terrible errands, and Cyril realized he still had the bag of bloody clothing. So they went back out to the Monte Carlo, which suddenly wasn't acting right. Not wanting to be caught in a stalled car and a bunch of bloody clothes, 
They asked a friend if they could borrow their car. When they got a yes, they loaded up the bag of bloody clothes and drove off. They spent the next hour driving around dumping bloody clothing. In Bloomfield, they tossed Cyril's jacket in a tunnel and left his t-shirt along Stetson Road. Then they headed to another area to dump his bloody pants. That's when they stashed the gun in Cyril's car. With their unpleasant errands done, Cyril packed some clothes, left $2,000 for Cassidy, and headed out. Cyril Weinbrenner was on the run. Meanwhile, back at the house on Pentecost Circle, it's just after midnight when Kevin Bryant dials 911 to say his wife was shot. According to the dispatcher who handled Kevin's call, he sounded calm and remained on the line with 911 until law enforcement rolled up at the house six minutes later. He then placed a call to his parents, asking them to come pick up the boys. Investigator James Bikerich was the first on scene. He immediately noticed there was no forced entry to the home. He stood and looked at the body of Tabitha Bryant, who was sprawled on her back across the fold-out bed in the family room. When her body is taken to the medical examiner, they note that she was shot in the right eye and also had 14 stab wounds to the neck, back, chest, and arms. As investigators worked the scene, they are also talking with a calm Kevin Bryant who stands at the foot of his driveway, dressed in shorts and a t-shirt. There are no bloodstains on him or on his clothing. He does not seem particularly upset, but sometimes after being asked a question, he would draw back, double over at the waist, and dry heave. When asked what he heard that night, he says he was upstairs when he heard gunshots, one, maybe two, then Tabitha screaming, oh my God. When he ran downstairs to help his wife, the intruder was gone. They asked him about the garage door being wide open, and Kevin said he'd taken out the trash and likely forgot to shut the door. Kevin told them he'd gotten back home at 10.30 that night, taken the trash out, went out for coffee, and took out more trash when he got back. He volunteered that he and Tabitha had plans to attend a church retreat that week and that he worked as an attorney. And yes, the couple was set to attend a church retreat. According to Reverend Michael Allen, pastor of the Community Church of Christ, Kevin approached him in mid-June about marital problems at the home. Kevin agreed to go on the retreat July 16th through the 20th. Kevin's legal secretary confirmed the trip, saying that she had it blocked out on his calendar. Kevin told detectives that their marital problems were caused by Tabitha's infidelity. He made no mention of his own cheating or his drug use. He said he'd hired a P.I. to investigate and saw pictures of Tabitha with another man. Kevin claimed that he went to Tabitha asking her to end that relationship so they could focus on their marriage. Then, Kevin revealed that he'd strongly considered divorce but wanted what was best for their two boys. He told them about Cyril and Cassidy living at the Pentecost Circle house with them and that Tabitha was stressed by their presence and wanted to charge them more in rent. He made no mention of the cocaine use or sales, no mention of Cassidy stealing from Tabitha. Finally, Kevin told them that a woman called the house about ten minutes before the shooting, but he didn't know who she was and the call was brief. Police asked Kevin to come back to the station and answer more questions, and Kevin agreed. He laid out his activities that night. He told investigator Paul Sienna that he worked until after ten. 
arriving home about 10.30 where he found Tabitha and both boys asleep in their bed. He woke Tabitha asking her to go downstairs since they weren't sharing a bed at the moment. Tabitha went downstairs and he headed out to get a cup of coffee. And listeners, yeah, I find it odd that he's going out for coffee this late at night. But the coffee place wasn't open. He returned home to find Tabitha asleep on the pull-out couch. He took more garbage out and went upstairs to get ready for bed. He said it was his routine to check that the house was locked up, but he couldn't remember if he'd checked that night. He told Sienna about the phone call around 11.50 p.m., a collect call from an unknown woman, but that the call wasn't clear and he understood none of it, so he hung up. With the call over, he picked up a book he was reading. Minutes later, he heard one or maybe two shots, then Tabitha shouting, Oh my God! That's when he went downstairs to investigate, but the killer was gone, so he called 911. Kevin talked some more about the affair and how he'd hired a PI to investigate Tabitha's activities. He confronted his wife with what he knew and told her to choose. He told them that Tabitha responded, quote, Don't ask me to pick because you will lose. But listeners, we know that Tabitha broke things off with Keith Cromwell and was again trying to make her marriage work. Then Kevin talked about Cyril and Cassidy how the pair came to live in their home, and while there was, quote, some bad blood between Cyril and Tabitha, he and Cyril were friendly and on good terms. They asked Kevin who might want to hurt Tabitha, and he responded that he couldn't think of anyone, but he did have a client, a guy named Rocky, who carried a gun, so maybe they should look at him. When asked who was capable of killing Tabitha, Kevin told them that we are all capable under the right circumstances. According to investigators, that right there is where Kevin's demeanor changed. His eye contact dropped off and he started fidgeting. They read him his Miranda rights and Kevin waived them. He's an attorney, remember? Sienna told Kevin, I don't think you're telling me everything. Kevin told the investigator that he felt responsible for Tabitha's murder. He'd wanted to be rid of her, even had divorce papers drawn up, but he hadn't filed them, not yet. Kevin's eyes filled with tears and his hands trembled. Sienna watched him carefully. Why do you feel responsible? Sienna asked, and Kevin replied, Let's just say I am responsible. Are you admitting involvement? Sienna asked, and Kevin responded that he wasn't saying anything. Sienna returned to their marital issues. Kevin told him that Tabitha had a way of pushing buttons. Sienna then asked if Kevin killed his wife, and Kevin said he couldn't answer that question. Kevin asked for a bathroom break, and as he headed out, his eyes filled with tears. Sienna said, hey, are you okay? They're going to find out who killed Tabitha. And Kevin replied, they better or I'll fucking kill you. Nice guy, huh? Kevin Bryant was interviewed for 14 hours, but he was released as there was no evidence tying him directly to the crime he did remain high on the suspect list. While Kevin was interviewed for hours, other investigators searched the Bryant home looking for evidence. In the master bedroom, they located an envelope full of cash, $3,500 in $100 bills. Each room of the family home was examined for blood, but it was found in only two places, where Tabitha was murdered and a trail of blood from the family room into the kitchen. All the blood belonged to Tabitha. The house showed no signs of cleanup, no blood smears. 
No bloody towels, no bloody laundry. In the outside trash, they found a pair of surgical gloves, and those went into evidence. Since it had been only a few weeks since Cyril and Cassidy were kicked out of the Pentecost Circle house, investigators wanted to talk with them about the murder. Cassidy was arrested immediately. She had an unrelated outstanding drug charge. And she'd been in custody about two hours when she confessed to her role in Tabitha's murder. She took police on a road trip, showing them where they could find Cyril's bloody garments and the gun used to shoot Tabitha in the face. On August 2, 2003, Kevin Bryant is arrested and charged with second-degree murder. Cyril was charged with second-degree murder, and Cassidy was charged with first-degree manslaughter. Monroe County Sheriff Patrick O'Flynn told the Democrat and Chronicle newspaper, quote, This was a domestic dispute that escalated to the point of homicide. It appears that there was considerable pre-planning. Listeners, it would be more than a year before Kevin had his day in court. October 1st, 2004. The prosecution used Cassidy Green as their main witness. They said that Kevin was upset about Tabitha's boyfriend, so he hired Cyril to kill her, promising Cyril $5,000 and half of the insurance payout. The defense countered that Kevin did not hire Cyril. They cited how Tabitha kicked Cyril out of her home and a deteriorating relationship between the half-siblings as the reason for the murder. But the jury was not buying what the defense was selling. It took them less than five hours to return a guilty verdict. On October 15th, they found Kevin Bryant guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to life without parole. And while he filed multiple appeals in his case, all were denied. When it came time to try Cyril, prosecutors wanted him to face the death penalty. But in June of 2004, the New York State Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty was unconstitutional and it was taken off the table in his case. Days before the trial was set to begin, Cyril decided to take a plea and pled guilty to first-degree murder. In March of 2005, a judge sentenced him to life without parole. While Cyril has filed multiple appeals in his case, all have been denied. Also in March of 2005, Cassidy Green pled guilty to first-degree manslaughter. On March 31st of that year, she was sentenced to 15 years in prison. She was facing 25 years behind bars, but the judge was lenient because her efforts were the reason that Cyril and Kevin could be convicted for their roles in the murder of Tabitha Bryant. Cassidy was also remorseful, and she apologized for her actions. As of this writing, Cyril is incarcerated in the Greenhaven Correctional Facility in Stormville, New York. 61-year-old Kevin Bryant died in prison in 2019. Cassidy Green was paroled in 2015 after serving 10 years in prison. While incarcerated, she reconnected with a man she'd known since she was a teenager. The two married, and Cassidy applied for the Family Reunion Program, which, according to the news site Jezebel, allows inmates to spend nights with their family members in a trailer with a, quote, more home-like setting. Cassidy easily qualified for this program because she'd been a good prisoner. During a 2012 visit, she became pregnant with her first child, who was due in January of 2013. When she learned she was expecting, Cassidy applied for the prison nursery program. According to North Country Public Radio in the state of New York, women who give birth while incarcerated have the opportunity to stay with their baby in a nursery for up to one year, or 18 months if the mother becomes eligible for parole. 
According to Jezebel, in 2018, there were seven states operating a program like this. And while she was hopeful about the nursery program, Cassidy was denied. She was in prison for manslaughter, and her charges were deemed too serious for her to qualify. She appealed the decision, saying, quote, I didn't fight for my appeals, I didn't fight for clemency, but I'll be damned if I wasn't going to fight for my kid. She won a temporary order, and after she gave birth to her daughter, Hermione, she was allowed access to the Bedford Nursery. Three months later, a judge ruled she could stay in the nursery with her baby for the full year. When the year was up, Hermione went to her father, and Cassidy served out her sentence. When Cassidy got parole, she joined her husband and daughter in a two-bedroom apartment in Rochester, New York. During a May 2018 interview with Jezebel, Cassidy told them that once she was in jail, she stopped doing drugs and started working on her GED. She took college classes and all the required programs needed to serve her sentence well. She said that she was on drugs and in an abusive relationship at the time of the murder, that she feared for her safety. She said one of her few regrets in life was giving Cyril a ride when he returned to her car, covered in blood, on a warm July night. I'm Nina Instead, the writer, producer, and voice behind the Already Gone podcast. I appreciate you listening, and please be safe. <laughs>